Week six of the NFL season is here, and we are so glad you are as well, IBT family. We help you set those lineups today for those start sits and sleepers for week six. We have all this and more on today's program, so kick back and let's let those good weekend vibes roll right in. Because I've been in tune, out of touch, coming off the bench, trying to shake the funk, check your stat line, see who's up, that over, under, hit too clutch. I'm trying to avoid getting carried away with the chest sweet, sleeping on a trick play, predicting all of my moves like they seen every play, so I'm running it back, head down, get out of my way, and it's for the law with only one thing to do, I guess I'll say a prayer and put it all on the line for you with they Just one thing to say, yeah, what they don't know. Something they haven't seen. I'm off that mean Joe Green. It got me fading between. Yeah, I got it. And I got The In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. All right, all right, it is Feel Good Friday, October 13th. We are very much in the thick of the football and fall seasons over here and loving every second of it. I am Seth Wilcock and I am joined by a man I am lucky to call my co-host and friend. He's a big brain businessman and a fantasy football analyst. You may know him as Tex, you may know him as Summertime Eric. I just know him as Eric Romoff. What's good in the hood, Eric? Man, we're we're back into summertime mode. It's like it's like creeping into like the high nineties again today. We got like a little snippet of fall, and then the sun was like, "Nah, get out of here. It's hot again." So we're uh, we're all back inside, hiding hiding in the shadows, but ready for ready for week six, right? While it's uh it's still feeling like summer here in Texas, we are deep into the heart of the of the NFL schedule. Yeah, man, I, I've had an insanely productive week getting ready for what is going to be a fun week six slate of football. Uh, I've been doing adult shit. I've been opening mail, blasting Creed, and I cannot wait to do absolutely nothing but watch sports for the next two days now. Man, I am a certified adult and I don't even open mail. Like government government entities, businesses, whatever it might be, if you want my attention, don't fold up a piece of paper and set it on my doorstep. It's so hard. It's so hard to open that. I'm just not a trustworthy person with mail. I'll let it sit on the corner of my desk for a week and a half, two weeks before I open it. But nonetheless, man, we have a jam-packed program for everyone today. Uh, A couple of goats are visiting the show that I'm very happy to have on. We're going to have Jim Coventry of Rotowire and SiriusXM stopping by. And then John Impemba, also a host over there on SiriusXM and Fantasy Alarm, joining us for some sleepers later on in the show. Thursday night football recap. You and I will kick it off here, Eric. And it looks like we have some IBT family members already in the chat. We got Albert. What's up, Albert? Thanks so much for joining us, man. And we have our guy, Tyler Bradley. What's up, Tyler? Thank you so much for joining us tonight as well. Hope you guys are ready for a fun weekend and a fun weekend of football at that. And Eric, let's kick it off here and let's talk about which was every week I'm coming in. I got like, I'm always like, not optimistic about a good Thursday night football game. And finally, we got T-Swift. We got Travis Kelsey. It's going to be a banger. And it was for a little bit. And then it was not. Let's talk about it in front and center. Sometimes taking that first step out the door. 
you come to the place to become someone Ain't gotta worry about something not what it means Come and give me another cause the night is young At least I so thought All right, front and center. Let's talk about the Thursday night football game that was Broncos and Chiefs. The Broncos held to just 49 plays, 82 passing yards, three turnovers for them. But the Chiefs just couldn't get it going in the red zone here, Eric. One for five. And this is just another game for Patrick Mahomes. Under 20 fantasy points. His fourth out of five to start the season. If you've drafted him, you're kind of disappointed, just like we were a little bit last night with a lack of fireworks. Yeah, well, look, if you drafted him, you have nobody to be disappointed with other than yourself based on where he was going in drafts, right? Like, we talked about it uh, for a different reason at the beginning of the season with Travis Kelsey being injured. Yeah. Like, taking one of these onesie positions super early in your draft, like, sure, if they stay healthy, if they hit their ceiling, you know, it can be okay, but you're really walking on a razor's edge, right? So, you know, all told, like, A, I think better days are ahead for for Mahomes in general. But B, like, it's not like he's he's absolutely killing you either, right? Like, you would love yeah. to see more out of someone you drafted this early. But, I mean, you're you're still right around 20 points on average, right? He's, you know, if he picks up a little bit of steam or even if he holds steady, he'll finish as a, you know, top five or six kind of guy. So, you know, he's he's not he's not out there just burying your squad. But, yeah, if you, you know, if, if you got a little froggy and you reached for for Patrick Mahomes early, you're, you're definitely not getting what you expected when you when you made that pick. 100%. Let's talk about some of the winners or losers of the night. And the winners, not a whole lot of them, I thought, on the evening. But Isaiah Pacheco, this guy continues to do it in different ways and get it done for fantasy managers. We didn't get the explosion that we got from Brees Hall, that we got from Khalil Herbert, and the Miami running backs against this Denver Broncos defense. But we did get six targets and six for 36 through the air. So he's doing it in different ways, and he's been a high-end RB2 so far and a great value in drafts. Are you interested in Isaiah Pacheco moving forward at that value, or do you think this might be a time to sell high? Yeah, he's he's definitely a hold candidate for me. Um, he's someone that I've been I've been trying to acquire on on the cheap, right? He's one of those players that you know doesn't really get his his just due in terms of yeah. credit or his his market price. And the the thing that that makes me most excited, you mentioned him doing it in a lot of different ways. Last night he caught six passes for 36 yards, right? Like, yep. granted, it's not it's not a guardy it's not a gaudy yardage total in terms of his receiving work, but like this type of involvement in the passing game was not part of his profile heading into the season, right? Like, we 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 met here uh, after the first Thursday night game between the Chiefs and the Lions, and I was talking about being surprised that he got four catches in that game, right? So like, if if he's gonna if he's gonna get you know three, four, five in this case six targets. Uh, any given game out of out of the backfield like his 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 picture changes entirely for you know for the the rest of the season outlook so he's he's certainly someone that I think you can still get at a pretty reasonable price right he didn't absolutely explode right. on this island game you know 15 16 points in a PPR like he he did great for you but you know no one's no one's all of a sudden saying it's it's Isaiah Pacheco season so I would I would still try to go out and get him if you can okay all right George, I'm seeing some questions in the chat. We'll get to those in just a minute here. Um, I, I think looking at this game as well, if there was one clear thing to me about the Chiefs, it's that, that Rashi Rice needs to be more involved. And it seems like they are going by this true wide receiver by committee approach. 
MBS's snaps are down a little bit. Sky Moore's are down, but still using the wide receivers in different areas. We saw Justin Watson go down with an injury. Hopefully he's okay. Um, but I just love what I'm seeing from Rice here. Fast, explosive, almost popped a house call at the end of this game as well. And double-digit fantasy points in four of six games, despite never having a huge target share. Yeah, I mean, for, for Kansas City in particular, he's, you know, he's the the clear winner, right? You know, with through five games prior to, prior to this game, really the story for this wide receiver core has been MVS and Sky Moore are going to be one in 1A in terms of routes run right there. You know, usually MVS is in the low 30s, Sky Moore is in kind of in the mid to high 20s. And then there's just some this amalgam of guys, Rishi Rice, Justin Watson's, uh, Kadarius Tony, Richie James, Justin Ross, that all got between like, seven and 13 or 14 mm-hmm. routes run last night. This was that emerging point for Rishi Rice. He actually was up there. He's tied for number two in routes run among wide receivers, 23 routes run. And when he gets the ball in his hand, like he's an electric player. He almost, yes. he almost runs after the catch in a way that's similar to a running back where like, he's really good about working his angles. He's really good about knowing where the leverage points in as it are, as he makes his way down the field. Like he's a guy that, if I was a head coach, I would be interested in getting the ball in his hand more often. And some of this is to do with Justin Watson going down. But if nothing else, this was the point where he got more opportunity and he looked great with that opportunity. So I, I think it's a sign of things to come for Rice. Keep stashing him, guys. Keep stashing Rice for sure. Quickly, just touch on the losers. Broncos backfield, it's a little bit of a mess now. Javante Williams, a little bit more spry here uh, after a, a no game for him on Sunday. McLaughlin's still involved, though. I think it's a situation you really can't start anyone moving forward. P. Ryan should remain on waivers if he's not already. And then what about Jerry Judy? Get absolutely fucking buried by Richard Sherman before this game. Then goes out three for 14 on the day. And then trade rumors are already stacking up, Eric. Uh, not a great day for Jerry Judy. Yeah, not not at all. And unless um, unless there's another clip circulating out there, I saw him getting toasted by Steve Smith Sr. before the game. Oh, sorry. Um, I'm, I'm yeah, not... sorry. Apologies. Yeah. Okay. I, dude, I, I wouldn't put it past Sherm to to jump in on that too, right? <laughs> so it doesn't sound like uh, like Judy's making any any friends out there. He's certainly not conducting himself in a way that would ingratiate himself to uh, to former players. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. But yeah, apparently bit of a back and forth with him and Steve Smith around something that uh, Steve Smith said on a, a podcast previously, he called him a Jag, just a guy, you know, tried to dap him up and make, make good about it. And uh, he, you know, he kind of cold breathed him. And then he went out and proceeded to have an absolutely pedestrian game at best. Yes. Right. So yep. um, didn't exactly, you know, back it up when, when he talked his shit. Um, so, you know, I mean, those, those trade rumors, they're swirling around him, but really, you know, the, the certified dumpster fire status of this Broncos season. They're Stinky. kind of swirling around all of their, of their valuable pieces, right? Like Pat Sertan's getting some interest. I know Simmons getting some interest. We'll see if any of this comes to pass or not. And then going back to your point about the, the backfield for the Broncos. Yes, absolute mess. But I, I actually think Jaleel McLaughlin was one of the, 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 the few winners okay. on the, on the Broncos side here, right? We saw Javante Williams back. And now that Javante Williams is back, it wasn't McLaughlin that hit the pine. It was it was Samaj P. Ryan, right? So I think I think McLaughlin is now in that you know that that second guy up part of the rotation. Okay. And more specifically, we talked about this after his breakout game. He was also involved in in the pass game, right? Yes, he caught sir. two passes and he was able to do enough on pass protection, right? My my concern for him was 
that first game out there, he was getting mm. blown up on pass. Yeah, pro. yeah, there's and some bad if, plays. If he's getting even just incrementally more comfortable to the point where he's already now uh, surpassed uh, P. Ryan on the depth chart, this is someone that I, I think is really interesting as a potential hold candidate because Javante is coming back and working his way back from a pretty brutal knee injury, right? So, like, he's he's up there on, you know, potential injury candidates. They might want to manage his workload. He might just generally be ineffective. So McLaughlin is someone that I'm definitely looking to, to hold on to wherever I can. That makes me feel good because I went and spent up for him last week because I love the talent just mm-hmm. like you. We'll see how the situation develops. Let's go ahead and get to everyone's questions, though, with our guests in our next segment, Matchup Management. Who you got? Matchup Management. Who's it going to be? All right, and I would like to welcome to the show someone that I have looked up to for a very long time. (laughs) He's a 2022 FSWA Writer of the Year finalist, the face of Rotowire, and a host (laughs) on SiriusXM. He's a man who also looks like a fucking brick house every time I see him. (laughs) Let's give it up for Jim Coventry. What's up, Jim? Man, great to see you guys. Thanks for the intro. Excited to be here. appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. How are the Week 6 vibes as we head towards what should be a fun Sunday slate? You know how it is. We got our mix of bye weeks and injuries yeah. and figuring out which people. It's fun. It's what makes this gig great. You know, every week's a challenge. It's putting a puzzle together and hopefully we get more pieces right than we get wrong. Hell yeah. Well, we appreciate you being here today, Jim. We're going to get some questions in the chat here. Uh, first up, we got George. He's a Kenneth Walker manager, and he wants to add Zach Charbonnet in case of injuries. Who should he be dropping here, Jim? Tyler Algier, Deontay Johnson, Quinton Johnston, Jameson Williams, or Jake Ferguson, his other tight end, Dallas Goddard? You know, drop. first of all, dropping running backs is tough. Algier's been terrible. The run blocking has been yeah. the- defenses across the league have figured out how to defend the run better overall despite having lighter bodies they've made some really good adjustments Algiers but you can't drop him because he's a running back Quinton Johnson's probably the one who has to go but but it's not so easy because you think on the bye week they talked about acclimating him in and they need a deep threat my guess is out of the bye they use him in that way but what we see in the first few weeks makes us squeamish. So he would be the first one to go if you were adding a running back. Although Jamison Williams might be a close second. Dan Campbell's not been happy with him. He said in the preseason he needed reps. He needed preseason game reps, and he got hurt, and he missed most of the preseason. Yeah. So I don't think his small snap share last week was due to him not being ready. I think mm-hmm. Dan Campbell doesn't trust him. Eric, your thoughts here? Because because I I'm probably going JMO. I'm probably with, with, with Jim here. It's definitely between Johnston and JMO. Um, but but I mean Josh Reynolds has been so consistent for that this Lions team. It's hard that to think he's going to lose some snaps here. Although we do might maybe have a tight end injury here for the Lions this week. Yeah, it's it's definitely between those two for for me as well, right? Like I don't I don't feel great rostering Ferguson if I have Goddard every week because he's just going to be on my my bench but if you drop him he's going to be picked up immediately yep. and you're giving an opponent an advantage right so for me it's it's between uh quentin johnston and, and jameson i'll i'll say i'll cut quentin johnston here right like his his ramp into this offense is going to continue to be pretty steady and slow we've also talked about it for before he is not very good at catching the ball like he's a big time <laughs> body catcher he lets a lot of them hit the turf yeah. Not only will that hurt his fantasy production, it's also going to limit his time on the field. So I, I will let Johnson go of this lot. 
All right, we got Albert here. Start sit question: Christian Kirk, Chris Godwin, and Brandon Ayuk. Jim, these are great players. These are I would love to stick all these players in my lineup, but he can only have two of them. Who are we looking at here in full PPR? You know, Mike Evans has now been deemed a hundred percent successful. Yep. Godwin's emergence last week or the week before the bye came at the expense of Evans leaving the game early. He's pretty much been a five catch for fifty yard guy, which is fine, but it really hasn't been a lot of upside. Whereas at least Kirk has a strong floor, and we see he can't post 100-yard games. Indy, nothing to worry about against the pass. They're good against the run. So, you know what? I Godwin's one of my favorite players. And Ayuk, look, I, I get it. They're going to see a heavy pass rush. They're going to see press man. But Ayuk gets schemed very quickly into space, and with that pressure, he probably gets yards after the catch. I have to bench Godwin reluctantly. Little Penn State pride being hurt there for me. Um, but, Eric, nonetheless, I, I think Chris Godwin is the bench. Your thoughts? Yeah, he's he's the bench for me as well. Like I'm I'm worried about Brandon Ayuk having somewhat of a down week by, by his standards because of that tough matchup, because of how much pressure they're going to put on Brock Purdy, who I think comes back to earth this week. Also, I think San Francisco is probably going to be leading pretty comfortably in this one. But the, the thing about Brandon Ayuk, he does the vast majority of his damage before the catch, right? Like he's the high A dot option on this team, whereas Debo Samuel is the big yak guy. And the Browns specifically, they're they're bottom in the league. They've last they've allowed the lowest yards after catch combined on this season, just 330 yards. So the way this game sets up, I think it's going to be more difficult for Debo to get going. Whereas Brandon Ayuk will still get his you know uh, handful of of downfield looks that he obviously has made a uh, made a career out of converting. Yes. Yes, we got Dylan here in the chat. What's up, boys? Somebody just traded Hawkinson, Waller, and Pickens. A little fantasy police. Is this a fair trade? I don't see a problem with this. Do you, Jim? It's close enough where we say it's right. Hawkinson for the next four weeks is probably going to get 13 targets a game. Yes. I mean, so for the next four weeks, that's a run. Look at Pickens. Pickens, surprisingly, has been really good three of the last four weeks. It's been quiet, though. It's like you don't hear him, but it's 70 yards. He had a couple hundred yard games, but Waller hasn't done much. So I don't see an issue with this trade at all. Okay. Another one from Dylan, Eric. Uh, he just moved on from Hopkins for Mixon, full PPR, grade that trade on a, on a scale, uh, A through F. What is it for our guy, Dylan? Let's see. So he's got he's got pretty solid uh, wide receiver depth here, so I don't mind moving on from Hopkins. And clearly you were needing some help at, uh, at running back, right? So Mixon isn't going to be the flashiest guy out there, but he plugs a hole for you. You took, you know, an area where you had a bit of a log jam and, you, you know, you, you're at least going to buy yourself some time waiting for some of your injured pieces to return or for some of your younger guys to come on. So I'd, I'd give this a solid B plus, right? Like super fair in a vacuum, right? It's just, it really kind of comes down to composition and your, your, your roster needs this kind of player on it. Jim, what's the outlook for Deandre Hopkins moving forward? He has gotten healthier and healthier as the seasons progress. He's looked better, a little bit more rhythm with Ryan Tannehill, and he's been footsteps from touchdowns. <laughs> Are we seeing the ceiling, though, with what we saw here in week number five? Was a wide receiver one on the week? 
you know, at some point, Traylon Burks will get healthy and will get some targets. Mm-hmm. But until then, I, there's nobody else to throw to. Nick Westbrook and Kine, <laughs> I seriously, they're throwing him the ball. They they can't. So the target share is going to be crazy. And maybe Burks isn't healthy all year. But when Hopkins is healthy right now, yeah, it's looking like 10 targets a game. I mean, there's no yard after the catch. There no, aren't no. too many deep shots. But And how many touchdowns are they going to score against good teams? But that said... I mean, he is a rock-solid, high, high-floor RB2 because of the catchy city. And then last week, he gets an easy pass defense, and I bet the prop over on the prop because Indy can't stop anybody. But, but yeah, otherwise, rock-solid. I just don't think it's a super ceiling, but he's beautiful. Okay. All right. We have here uh, a question from Chef. He traded Pierce and Laporta for Ingram and Mixon. His tight end is Mark Andrews, and RBs are now Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Brees Hall, Ramondre Stevenson, and Mixon. How uh, Grade this trade, Eric. How are you feeling about this one? Uh, I'm feeling I'm feeling a bit more bearish about this one. It's just it's kind of a head-scratcher, right? Like, like I was saying before, in a vacuum, I, I think it's fine, right? Like, usually when you see these position-for-position position trades, mm-hmm. it really just kind of comes down to preference, right? So, you know, you're you're, you're upgrading from um, from Pierce to, to Mixon. You're downgrading from Laporta to Ingram. It's kind of net neutral. But the, the thing that throws me for this is you say that you've got Andrews on your team. Like, if you're, if you're comfortable starting Andrews every week, comfortable enough to where you're moving Sam Laporta, don't give away any of that trade capital to get Ingram back, right? Like, try to get... You know, someone better than Mixon for Pierce and and Laporta, right? Or try to see with another manager if you can if you can really get you know a maximized return at a position that's actually going to impact your starting lineup, right? Because Ingram coming in, it's nice to have depth. Don't get me wrong; he's one of the more steady tight ends out for there sure. this year. But for he's sure. he's going to be he's going to be super steady for you on your bench. He's not going to impact your your score any given week, except for the bye week, of course. How do you feel about Jim? Should there be some consolidation going on with Chef's team right now? Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it. This is probably like a 10-team league, I think we're looking at. I'm looking at that running back. Depth. Yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, at that point, a lot of dynamics change. I mean, everybody's got a really good team in there. I, I do think Laporta, you probably could have gotten something more for him. Um, but that said, like Eric said, kind of personal preference. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Pierce is going to have a better second half than a first. Yeah. Hopefully they get their center juice scrugs back. The tackles are just getting healthy now. So I think he has some upward trajectory. Mixon's a compiler. It's what he is at this point, yeah. which is fine. He'll yeah. have the occasional big week. But yeah, I mean, like Eric said, more personal preference. Okay. And I want to talk about one of the running backs on his roster. It's Jonathan Taylor. Jim, what is your confidence level with him moving into week six? Only saw 10 snaps, but it was very clear that he was on a 10-snap limit. He got some early run, and then they yanked him as soon as he hit 10. Can we expect fantasy production from him here in Week 6? My guess would be literally it goes up to almost 50% this week. I think he goes okay. from 15% to 50. I, I mean, it's not a slow ramp-up. You don't do slow ramp-ups. If he was legitimately hurt, yes, I don't think he's been. Mm-hmm. So I think it's half this week. And then I think he gets 75, 80% of the touches after that. This week, I think you could comfortably start both Taylor Ooh, and okay. Moss. Okay. And Eric, that window might be closing to start Zach Moss. Are you interested in him or Jonathan Taylor here? 
on paper, the Falcons look like a very tough matchup to running backs, but it's been the lack of touchdowns. It's really kind of kept them a- a- as a negative matchup. Damian Pierce had a pretty good game against them, uh, or him and Singletary combined for 72 on the ground. Bijan topped 100 on them. Pacheco totaled 70. So I, I think you can run on the Jaguars a little more than, than we're giving them credit for. Uh, your thoughts on Taylor and Moss here? Yeah, I think Jim hit it hit it spot on, right? Like you can you can you can definitely fire them both up this week. I've got Jonathan Taylor ahead of Zach Moss in my rankings, but they're both in that RB two kind of fringe flex territory. I do think this is the last week for Moss, right? So if anyone is still mm-hmm. astounded by Zach Moss putting up a very impressive game against a very a very tough Titans run defense last year, granted they had a few guys missing, like if if you can capitalize that to any extent and sell high on Moss, I would still consider that opportunity. If you can't, you know, he's a nice handcuff for, yeah. for Taylor if anything happens down the road. But, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to wheel and deal. So there, there is a market opportunity out there for Moss. But this week in particular, like like Jim said, I think we're, you know, we're pretty much full steam ahead on like a 45-55 split between the two. Love it. Love it. Um, I want to get some quarterback start sits here. Jim, there's a lot of, a lot of just – uneasiness at the quarterback position. If you're rostering Anthony Richardson, uh, we don't know what to do with Joe Burrow. We finally see a good game here in week five. Do we have the cojones to go back to him? Your thoughts on any quarterbacks out there just kind of on that borderline start sit for you? I do want to say what I saw from Burrow last week was very encouraging. Two things. One, he had to move around a bit, and he did, and he looked comfortable and agile. The second one, what was lacking in his game was the downfield passing. The calf, he couldn't drive, and he couldn't get the zip on the ball. Well, he had a great zip on a pass that Jamar Chase over everybody. Those two things, and the fact he said he came out of this game feeling better than he had at any point, I think between what I saw, what I heard, I think right now, you go and you start Joe Burrow as you normally would. Okay. All right. Training wheels are off for Jim. How about Matthew Stafford, Eric? Any interest in him? He's my quarterback start of the week. We've seen him slowly. The the, the positive TD regression is coming. He was getting a lot of yards, getting a lot of attempts earlier in the season. And now Cooper Cup's back in the mix. I think that's going to continue to go upwards. Daniel Jones, Joe Burrow, both had their best games against the Cardinals. I think Matthew Stafford is a locked and loaded quarterback one, set it and forget it this week. Your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, uh, first first off, I'm in lockstep with with Jim yet again. You know that I've been banging the Joe Burrow drum for a while, uh, yeah. much much to your displeasure as you continue to roast me forward on this show. <laughs> but yeah, Matt, Matthew Stafford is very, very literally the guy that I'm plugging in in every league where I've lost Anthony Richardson, right? We saw That's last good. week with the return of Cooper Cup, he – finally got past the two touchdown threshold he threw two of them last year last week i should say and you know that puts him as as qb 15 overall but with you know some some touchdown regression coming his way like the the amount of passing volume that he has out there 203 pass attempts through five weeks to only have five passing touchdowns now with a fully healthy wide receiver core i i think we're looking at another two potentially three score game for a guy that in a lot of a lot of these leagues that i referenced was sitting out there on waivers, right? So definitely, definitely like firing up Stafford against the the cards. Okay, all right, and some quarterback sits for us over here at IBT Gym. We're off CJ Stroud this week. It's been a very good season for him so far. No Tank Dell. They're going to lack a little bit of explosiveness, and the Saints have been just brilliant against the position this season. 
Yeah, the Saints have been very, very good against the pass. This is not a great matchup. Uh, I think Nico Collins, I don't know if they'll shadow with Lattimore. They would be smart if they did. But Lattimore matches up with big receivers well. And yes. so at least whenever Collins is lined up with him, that is going to be one that's going to be difficult. Now, I will say this. Bobby Slowick has really done well with that 49ers type system. And he yes, has he got has. Collins on a lot of inbreakers. And if those continue to work, Lattimore really can't clamp down on those as well as he would like on a Mike Evans who typically runs boundary routes. So, but I still agree that CJ Stroud, I think Robert Woods is going to have his hands really full this week and Dalton Schultz, not a good matchup for him. And so we're really counting on a lot from Collins and I don't know that we necessarily get it. So yeah, I do have Stroud lower than I normally would this week, but most weeks I'm usually in on him. Okay. All right. Chef uh, in the chat saying just subs. You guys are super good. Hey, hey we appreciate chef. it, Chef. Thank you, man. Um, Eric, you're you're a Texans homer, man. We call you Tex for a reason. Any love for Stroud? Because I, I'm with Jim here. I just can't get behind it here. Uh, and you know these cornerbacks, I think, better than anyone. Yeah, look, I, I don't think we're looking at a, a potential ceiling game for C.J. Stroud, right? Like I, uh, I, I think and I am also hoping – that we see him carry forward his uh, interceptionless streak and potentially push for that rookie record as soon as this week. But this is, you know, this is categorically a very tough matchup for for quarterbacks this week. So I, I don't think that um, you know you can you should lose any sleep over going a different direction from Stroud this week. Uh, for me, the the player that I'm I'm uh, actively and eagerly benching is your guy Brock Purdy. I think this is the week where he yeah. comes back to earth. Yeah, look like. Shout out to Jim Schwartz. You know, this this Browns defense has been talented for years, and Schwartz just completely unlocked it, and they're playing at an all-world level. The thing that makes me concerned for Purdy, A, the game script. We talked about it earlier with the IU yep. question. I just I think San Francisco is going to be leading pretty comfortably going up against uh, P.J. Walker this week. But also Cleveland, they apply pressure at the second highest rate in the league, 43.4% okay. of dropbacks. Brock Purdy's completion percentage, Drops 21% when he's under pressure. So I think it's going to be a long day in the office for Purdy. All right. Let's get some more questions before we get Jim out of here. Um, first one here from Louie. Start Burrow or Cousins? All right. It, we just talked about it's Joe Burrow. You, you liked what you saw, Jim, enough to uh, bench Kirk Cousins with no Justin Jefferson out there. You know, Joe Burrow's playing Seattle right now. T. Higgins is a game-time decision. I would almost go this far. I would almost say if Higgins is active – I'm starting Burrow. Okay. If Higgins is not active, well, no Justin Jefferson either. And Jordan Addison is on an ankle. He's not 100. And the Bears are terrible. But if Jordan Addison is less than 100%, you know what? I'm going to say Burrow regardless. Remember this. When Jamar Chase faces an NFC team for the first time, I, I believe it's 9 out of 12 games, he tortures them for like 120-plus yards. I, he Because teams that have never played him and they only see the film, they can't understand the speed he has and those first time seeing teams so i think there's a week where maybe chase does enough regardless seattle's corners reek woolen not the type of guy to handle him devon witherspoon this one's out of his league i'm gonna say Burrow yeah. regardless and eric we saw a little uh little some clips on social media dk metcalf saying witherspoon's gonna handle uh jamar chase oh. it, is, <laughs> is it a ceiling game here for chase on the young rook <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily a ceiling game, right? Like, mm -hmm. usually we've we've made a we've made our living 
attacking rookie cornerbacks going up against especially elite wide receivers. But I mean, Witherspoon's no joke. Like Spoon, Spoon can play. I'm sure he doesn't appreciate DK out there writing checks for him, but they'll they'll settle that <laughs> off, offline, right? Um, but in, in terms of the call specifically, um, I'm I'm right there with Jim. I've got Joe Burrow two spots ahead of Kirk Cousins. Um, you know, for for me, I, I've been you know I've been banging the drum all along that you know there's going to be that point where he gets healthy and then it's really just wheels up. I think we saw that last week. Also, it's it's incremental, but while while Chicago is horrendous uh, against the pass, they're also equally as bad against the run, whereas Seattle is much more favorable uh, against the pass and kind of middle of the pack against the run. So they're, they're just more, there's a more diverse game plan that the Vikings can use to win this game as opposed to it's, it's going to be it's going to be an air raid. This is probably going to be one of the highest scoring games on the slate this week between Cincinnati and Seattle. All right, let's get you out with this one, Jim. What's up? Thoughts on defensive start? Atlanta, Jaguars, Houston, or Vikings, or Raiders as well. So, Jim, I'll let you kind of gather. I know we have some different matchups going on right there. Um, Any initial defense jump out to you that you're attacking this week? Yeah, you know what? Houston. Houston is. Uh, Last week, they totally misplayed the game. D'Amico Ryan's winning with the – you don't go in to stop the run. I know they can't stop the run. They go, it's Atlanta, and they got yeah. killed through the air. He learned. You, you just play to your strength. They stopped the pass really well. New Orleans, Alvin Kamara at this point, he's not going to shred you. I think Derek Carr is going to make some mistakes. They are getting pressure. Yeah, I could see. And when you have Derek Carr, yeah, I think he's a guy you want to exploit with pressure. I'm going to go with Houston here. Okay. All right. Eric, your thoughts and any other defenses that, that you're jonesing to play out of this grouping here? I think the Jaguars would be a little more interesting if they weren't just coming back from two weeks in London. I think there could be a little bit of a, you know, a warm beer hangover, if you would, down there in Florida. Um, thoughts on these defenses? Yeah, Houston is my my streaming choice of the week, actually, given their matchup last week. They're one of the teams that you're able to pick up and hold on to for two weeks in a row. Um, you know, the the other name on this list that's of interest to me is, is the Falcons. Um, I have detailed ad nauseum just how lights out their perimeter secondary play mm-hmm. has been this year, but also they're pretty stout against the run, right? So I think the commanders are in for a long, long day in the office. And really for me with defenses, it's just about who has the best opportunity to create turnovers. I think on this list of four, the Texans and the Falcons both check that box. All right. I love it. Jim, we can't thank you enough for being here with us today. How can we best support you throughout the remainder of the 2023 season and beyond my friend? Oh, just find me over on the X at Jim Coventry NFL, hub to all the work, all the shows, Sirius XM Fantasy on weekends. Um, yeah, just happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Have a good rest of your week number six, Jim, and have a great weekend. We'll see you next time. Guys, let's fire up some short things, sleepers of the week. It's the short thing. Sleepers of the week. All right, sure thing, sleepers of the week. We are joined by another GOAT of the fantasy football industry. He's the senior content manager of Fantasy Alarm, a host of the Better Network and at SiriusXM. He's John Impembo. What's up, John? Hey, guys. How are we doing today? Doing good, man. Doing good. How are the vibes as we head towards uh, week number six, another great slate of football ahead? Yeah, listen, obviously it's a pretty interesting week with all the injuries that went down, a lot of key names landing on IR, kind of hitting the waiver wires to figure out which replacements are going to be, you know, fakers or or real players to put forth in your lineups uh, this week and, and moving forward. So 
you know, it, it, fantasy football is never an easy game, uh, and it gets a little bit harder uh, when some of these studs go down with injuries, man. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here with us, Jim. And uh, do you have a time for, for a question here in the chat before we get some sleepers? Yeah, what do we got? All right, we got Lewis saying start Higby or Pitts. We saw the breakout. I call it a breakout game, but it was, you know, a modest game from Pitts finally. Any interest in going back to him or firing up Higby in what should be a great matchup for the Rams and Stafford out there uh, in uh, SoFi? Yeah, listen, if Pitts is looking good and healthy, I think they finally open up that passing offense a little bit more. I'm willing to give him a bit Mm -hmm. more of a run than going up against Higby, knowing that, you know, Cooper Cup came back, dominated that target share. Puka Nakua continued to be a stud as he is. So now you're really looking at uh, a guy in Higby who's fighting to be the number three uh, target in that offense where I think Pitts is a pretty established uh, Mm -hmm. number two there. So uh, and if everything is right with him, that offense keeps moving forward. I think he's the guy to play. Okay. Eric, did you like what you saw from Kyle Pitts? Um, I feel like you've been one of the kinder people to Arthur Smith this season. I mean, I don't know if I would say I've been kind to him. I just, I, I understand, I understand who he is. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, have understand, yes. I understand what to expect of him, right? And I am a big time believer that happiness is a product of expectations. So, um, you know, for for me, like, you know, Kyle Pitts's role has largely been, um, you know, pretty static, right? He's a he's a very deep down the field option in terms of tight end plays um you know when when those when those deep shots connect he's gonna he's gonna have a ceiling game everyone's gonna be happy about him when they don't you know everyone's gonna be cursing the day that they drafted him but the the point that john underscored is really the one here right with with cooper cup not only back but healthy and still getting contribution from not only nakua but tutu atwell who's looked to, who looks to have taken a significant step forward over the course of this offseason. You know, there's there's just not enough volume for Higby to feel comfortable starting him this week. All right. I'm going to come right back to you, John, with one from C-Dog. What's up, C-Dog? Thanks for making us part of your Friday. Chuba or Amari Cooper here. Obviously, we have the news. Miles Sanders rolled out for this one. And uh, possibly no Deshaun Watson for the Browns as well. How does this impact Cooper and Chuba, John? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to play Amari Cooper this week. Uh, Not only is it the matchup against the 49ers, but you're looking at the weather and game total in that one as well. Could be some rain, some wind, and you're going up against the 49ers. So I definitely know go from there. Uh, Would play Chuba Hubbard this week because he's supposed to get the majority of the targets and carries in that offense with no no Miles Sanders there. I know it's Miami, so uh, I think I'm going to go in that direction. If he's asking about Amari DiMercato potentially – but it being a running back question, um, I think I would still go Hubbard over that situation as well. Is it Chuba time for you as well, Eric? I, I, I'm on board. Like it, it's not a, a must start, but he's a high inflex to me. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. Um, and we're we're actually at a point where Deshaun Watson has been ruled out, so we're looking okay. at right. PJ Walker this week, um, who yeah, has awesome. significantly more interceptions and touchdowns thrown in his career. So it, it's it's going to be it's going to be an absolute mess there in addition to the weather uh, for, for this game. So, you know, really, really avoiding pretty much all Browns pieces yeah. if, if I can. And, you know, M- Miami, like they're, they're kind of hot and cold on defense, but they, they're also, you know, they're, they're not shy about giving up, you know, some, some kind of pop games here to, to opposing rushers. So Hubbard getting that workload makes, makes him the, the, the way to go for me. All right. Well, let's get into some sleepers of the week. 
And and John, I will say I'm hot. I'm coming off a good call last week. I'm tied up with Eric in the season standings, um, but I know you're here to shake things up. So we're looking for a running back or a wide receiver ranked outside the top 30 that you think can score double-digit PPR points or a, a tight end or QB ranked outside the top 15 to finish inside there. What you got for us here, John? Uh, yeah, listen, maybe it's a little bit cheating because he's not too far outside the top 30, but I, I like Jacoby Myers a lot this week. He has been one of my favorite plays uh, overall this season. I drafted him in seasonal long leagues as well, uh, coming off of a really good game against Green Bay where he had 10 targets, 75 yards, and a touchdown. And then he's got New England here this week, so he's probably a little bit irked after they let him go uh, in the offseason, basically paid Juju Smith-Schuster the same amount of money that Crazy. got in Las Vegas, so figuring that uh, – Juju's a better player. You got the revenge game narrative there. Jimmy G's the quarterback. McDaniels is the coach. And as sad as it is as a Patriots fan, uh, that team is an absolute disaster right now having to go on the road here. So give me Jacoby Myers uh, as that dark, uh, dark throw this week. Jacoby Myers. I, I love it, man. And if you were smart enough to invest in Myers late in drafts, you ha- have just been very happy. Yeah. Eric, to me, I think as long as Jimmy G's healthy, he- he's a sit and forget it wide receiver too. Low end, but but still still right up in that category when you look at the green zone targets that him and Adams are, are just controlling for this team. Yeah, absolutely, right? Like it was, it was kind of a question mark to, you know, whether or not we would see, uh, you know, more of a diversified uh, receiving tree for, for Jimmy G. But Myers has come in and has done everything that you could have wanted and more. So definitely, definitely like the call. Feel feel pretty good about his chance to to shoot past ten points this week as well. All right, some love for the former quarterback there, Eric. Ball is in your court. Where are you taking us for your sure thing sleeper of the week? You need a bounce back here in week number six. We're tied up. Look, my guy, I don't I don't need a bounce back. Okay, my my call last week <laughs> was Tank Dell who had eight and a half points in the first half before exiting with a concussion. Mm-hmm. He was well on his way to, to actually being a dub. So we'll, uh, we'll omit that one from the record. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually, almost count in horseshoes, my friend, almost. Count yeah, exactly. Um, if, if you want to, if you want to count the production that John Mechie got when he started covering the slot for him, <laughs> they got up over 10 points last week. There you go. Um, but I'm, I'm actually, I'm going right back to this. Well, we actually, we talked about uh, the commanders receivers on, uh, on a previous show, but but for me specifically, the one that I'm looking for is is Jahan Dotson. I was I was actually kind of surprised doing doing this research here. Obviously, Dotson is um, he's down at wide receiver 49 for a reason, right? He's had an incredibly slow start to the year. But what surprised me is he's way up there in terms of his snaps from the slot. From the slot, he's got over a hundred slot snaps this year, and specifically going up against um, this this Falcon secondary. You want to avoid AJ Terrell. You want to avoid Akuda on the other side. You you want to get into that middle part of the field. And Jahan Dotson is going to be running there plenty. And not only that, when he is on the outside, very high likelihood, at least if the last two weeks are evidence, that Terrell is going to be shadowing Terry McLaurin. So he'll get more Akuda, which is at least the more favorable of those two matchups. So you know it's it's been rough going for Jahan Dotson, but I will continue to attack the the middle of this Falcon secondary. Okay. All right. A little cliche there for Eric to go back to it, but but I, I love the call nonetheless. I don't think I have the balls, John, if I'm being honest with you, to start Jahan. And I'm a huge Jahan Dotson guy. Have him everywhere. But 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 in a, I don't know if I can do it. Can you talk me into it? 
Uh, you know, it's funny when doing this, I was close to actually taking Curtis Samuel, uh, who is one spot yep. ahead of Jahan Dotson okay. in, in the rankings here. Uh, he's a guy that I was a, a big fan of. Again, uh, when he's healthy, he seemingly finds his way to be productive. He has that experience uh, playing under Ron Rivera when they went to Carolina. And then now you have Eric Bieniemy, uh running that offense, and they're kind of utilizing him in a lot of different areas in that offensive scheme. Uh, as well. So I, I like both plays. I think it's an interesting spot, like you said, with McLaurin drawing the tougher matchup. Uh, there's some opportunities for the other pass catchers in this offense. Uh, Logan Thomas is another guy that I think is in a really great spot this week as well. Okay. All right. I love it. I'll round us out, guys, with uh, someone that I was honestly like, I figured as soon as I, I put the show sheet up this week that Eric was going to be running to it to, to make this selection, and he didn't. So I'm here to make it. Uh, it's Drake London, wide receiver 41, going up against same game, Eric, going up against the Washington Commanders. And we're going to pick on Kendall Fuller some more. This is a guy who just got burned for three TDs by DJ Moore, nearly 50 fantasy points a week ago. And Desmond Ritter has like, it's not tossing the ball well around the yard, but he's been tossing it quite a bit, averaging almost 35 attempts since week one's 18 attempts. London seen about seven and a half targets per game in that stretch. Scored double-digit points in three of the last four. And he's honestly the red zone guy here. Like I think that's his role on this team, especially seven red zone targets, seventh most against wide receivers. I think he gets in the end zones again. He's done it every other game this season. This would be his time to step up here. Uh, John, thoughts on some Drake London here uh, against the Commanders? Yeah, listen, like you mentioned, they're starting to open the offense up a little bit more. I have to assume after last week's performance, there's been a directive uh, from the defensive uh, coaches there to uh, no longer jump routes if you're a Washington Commanders quarterback because uh, you don't have the ability to intercept the football. You're just giving up big play after big play after big play. So uh, I bet their tackling will be a lot better this week. But, yeah, I like the volume here. Uh, and the way that, you know, the Falcons tend to play their games, they you know they, they don't often find themselves playing from ahead too much. So they finally have to trail – uh, and throw the football a lot more lately than I think they would have expected to. So uh, I like the line and call there. Okay. Eric, your thoughts, because I, I swore this was going to be your call this week. I, I, I thought this was the shot you were taking. It was not. Yeah, look, uh, you're, you're you're taking notes, right? Like you've, uh, <laughs> we've, we've talked a lot about how cornerback matchups is largely what informs my, my short thing sleeper and how we are making all kinds of money targeting not only Kendall Fuller, but also – his running mate, Emmanuel Forbes, this year, yeah. you know, uh, 70 or so percent of Drake London's snaps are going to be in one of their two coverages, right? Um, Fuller, he's he's the one that actually tried to jump the route and allowed DJ Moore's th- third touchdown last last week. He's also the guy that just category can't ta- categorically can't tackle and allows a ton of yards after the catch. Uh, Forbes, on the other side, he's the guy that's basically letting everything get hauled in in his coverage, 74% catch rate. 3.13 yards per route mm-hmm. covered this year. So every time he covers a route, the person that he's that he's covering averages three yards. That's insane. Like 1.2, 1.5 is usually a lot, right? So everything sets up perfectly for Drake London. And the, the thing that makes me most optimistic about not only this call, but this offense in general, every single one of Desmond Ritter's games, apart from week one, he's attempted more than 30 passes. And they yeah. have been a variety of different game scripts, right? This isn't they're trailing and he has to throw to get back mm-hmm. into it. Like they're very clearly making it a point point of emphasis to be a bit more balanced, which in their case means means passing the ball, right? Because they were one of the few teams that were up past, you know, 55, 56 percent 
run plays yeah. on, on the season last year. So, you know, good good things to come for this Falcons offense. And I, I think I think Drake London cashes in on that this week. He's hucking it, baby. He's hucking it. John, we can't thank you enough for joining us yeah. today, man. Last week, we were graced by Coop's presence. We love the Fantasy Alarm family. How the can we best support you guys uh, moving forward here the rest of the way? Yeah, like I said, we're, we're all over Fantasy Alarm. I'm almost 24-7 producing a variety of content here, live streams throughout the week. You can get us on X or Twitter or however you want to get it there. So give us a so follow. Go see what we got going on in there. Uh, producing some good stuff here, man. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you. Eric, tell us what else you have going on here. Uh, college hoops just around the corner from us. Yeah. What day is it? Um, we're like 23 or 24 days away from college basketball. That means that we are ramping up everything for the start of the regular season over at Green Screens Media here on YouTube. Open up a new tab. Open up YouTube. Search Green Screens Media. We just did our ACC preview. So now we've Ooh, got okay. ACC pack deuce and a quarter mountain west and wcc spotlights and every single one of the mid-major conferences have been previewed we're the only sickos out there that are previewing all of these conferences so all of that is over there at green screens media we're getting ready to fire up the big east on sunday so green screens media is where you can find all that we've got our shorts and our tiktoks popping off it's all all at get green screens you know, I'm I, I miss the Big East glory days. I'll be honest, I I do miss the Big Ooh, East glory days. No more, they're back. <laughs> they're back. Eric calling his shot. Well, guys, you heard him. Follow John on Twitter. Check out Fantasy Alarm and all the great content they have there. Check out Eric's Green Screen Media and the best way you can support myself and all of us at IBT Media is subscribing the channel, coming back to hang out with us again. Thank you guys so much for tuning in with us. And uh, hey, we'll catch you next time. Keep it in between. Until then. Thank you.